After being in exile for nearly nine months, the sport of college football returned to us in the form of Week Zero on Saturday, August 26th. There were seven matchups that took place on Saturday, starting off with Navy and Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland, where the midshipmen and the fighting Irish kicked off the college football season, and Hawaii and Vanderbilt closed Week Zero with what I thought was the most entertaining game of the weekend, with Hawaii nearly staging a comeback and nearly recovering an onside kick before having the opportunity late in the fourth quarter to drive down the field, but their player who recovered the onside kick was barely out of bounds, and Hawaii's quarterback threw a costly interception at the end of the game with no timeouts, securing Clark, Lee, and Vanderbilt their first win of the season. And Hawaii and the Rainbow Warriors have yet to win on the road against an SEC opponent. That game was very entertaining, and there were other matchups that took place, such as USC playing against San Jose State, Jacksonville State playing against UTEP, New Mexico State playing against UMass, San Diego State playing against Ohio, where Ohio's starting quarterback got injured, and that just allowed San Diego State to win in a defensive slugfest, and Louisiana Tech playing against Florida International. We are going to be focusing on Notre Dame and Navy and USC and San Jose State, and specifically talking about the Trojans and the Fighting Irish and how they performed and what their performance indicates about their team, roster, coaching staff, and the future at hand. It is week zero, so I'm going to be saying things that I myself am not going to take very seriously, and I would advise you guys to take them with a grain of salt. Of course, if I end up being right in my analysis and future projections, what I think the consequences of these performances will be, then I'll be right, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. This is just my reaction, and it's a very casual reaction, because Week Zero really is just a tease of what college football is. I'm having new reaction and prediction templates that I'm going to be rolling out. In fact, tomorrow, as I preview Minnesota and Nebraska, and potentially even Florida and Utah, but we'll see where that goes. So, Hit the notification bell if you want to get notified for future previews and reactions and analysis from my channel. Please subscribe to help us get to 20,000 subscribers by the end of the 2023 college football season. And comment your thoughts down below on Week Zero, what your favorite game was, and more specifically, how you thought Notre Dame and USC performed. We're going to start off with Notre Dame. And... Notre Dame, in my opinion, just absolutely dominated Navy. And I foolishly took Navy to cover the spread. Shame on me. Absolutely shame on me. Of course, this is week zero, and Navy, if we're being honest, is a very bad football team. There's no other way to put it. I don't think that Navy's head coach and Brian Newberry will survive nearly as long as the previous head coach did. Ken Nui Matalo, I think is his name. And I just think that Navy, they promised to open up the offense, and the offense looked very vanilla, very bland. It looked like 
the AI in NCAA 14 running the triple option, except they haven't recruited five stars and they haven't abolished the weight restrictions, so it's just a garbage football team. And Notre Dame did what a good team should do to a garbage opponent, and they just dominated them. But again, in saying that, because this is a game in which Notre Dame did, in retrospect, with hindsight, what they should have done, I thought Navy was going to come out with a lot more fire, be more motivated, and I didn't expect Notre Dame to immediately have the chemistry on the field that they did. The wide receivers, the running backs, the O-line, it was all connected and it all flowed well. Yet again, this is just a reaction from week zero, and I'm not taking what I saw with anything more than a grain of salt, and I don't advise you should either. I think, in fact, week one games will tell us a lot more, even if it's against lesser opponents like Michigan versus East Carolina or Ohio State on the road at Indiana. USC and San Jose State, I think, told me a lot more about USC than this game did about Notre Dame. So I'm taking my reaction regarding USC a lot more seriously than my reaction regarding Notre Dame. Notre Dame, 42, Navy 3, the spread was Notre Dame, minus 20.5. Notre Dame had 444 total yards to Navy's 171 and 27 first downs to Navy's 12. You want to know how badly Notre Dame dominated Navy? Notre Dame is not known for their great quarterback play. Well, Navy made Sam Hartman look like prime Brady Quinn, and prime Brady Quinn was pretty darn good. Hartman went 19 of 23 for 251 yards, averaging nearly 11 yards per pass attempt, he had four passing touchdowns and a QBR of a 97, 97.9. And in total, Notre Dame had 253 yards passing through the air. Jaden Greathouse, Jaden Thomas, those were Notre Dame's leading wide receivers yesterday. Greathouse having two receiving touchdowns, Thomas having one receiving touchdown, and four receptions, Greathouse having three receptions. Jaden Greathouse is a freshman. 6'1", 213 pounds, and Jaden Thomas, who led the team in receptions yesterday, is a junior, 6'1", 220 pounds. Notre Dame's wide receiver room last year had Lorenzo Styles, and they lost him to Ohio State, and there were questions in that wide receiver room, especially because Michael Mayer left for the NFL, and in my opinion, Notre Dame's backup tight end um, Mitchell Evans, who's now the starter for Notre Dame, a junior, isn't nearly as good as Michael Mayer. They were going to have to change up the offense because Mayer is an X-factor player. He was the nation's second-best or best tight end, along with Brock Bowers last year. And it looks like the wide receiver room has great chemistry, especially with Sam Hartman, and that's the most important thing. Chris Tyree, who converted to wide receiver, he got action, and he looked good at the position, and I think that the offense right now is where it needs to be. If Notre Dame's offense is going to be better than I expect, and if it's going to be better than it was last year, where whether it was because of injuries at the quarterback position and Tyler Buckner being out from the get-go, 
or just inconsistencies overall, like losses to Stanford, Marshall's defense dominating Notre Dame's offense, and then Notre Dame's offense, you know, several games down the line, but with the loss to Stanford very near in the rearview mirror, Notre Dame goes out and dominates Clemson's defense, just running the ball for yards after yards after yards. Notre Dame looked more consistent offensively, and the offensive line had no opposition. The running backs were able to get through their holes, gash Navy's defense. In fact, Notre Dame didn't have to run the ball that much. They didn't run too many plays. They only had 32 rushing plays and 24 passing plays. And it felt like a lot less than that because Notre Dame averaged six yards per carry and 10.5 yards per pass attempt. And those statistics, any team against any opponent, whether it's the Michigan Wolverines, the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Clemson Tigers, the Alabama Crimson Tide, any team would kill for those numbers. And those numbers were not flukes either because Notre Dame's longest rush was 21 and their longest reception and their longest pass completed by consequence was 35 yards. This was a systematic dicing of Navy's defense and Audric Estime looked good. Jeremiah Love looked good. G. Bren Payne looked great. Jadarian Price had a rushing touchdown. Estime had nearly 100 yards and only 16 carries, averaged 6 yards per attempt, and he was powerful, often driving through the pile at times as well. And the offensive line has two new starting guards in Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler. Spindler nearly committing to Michigan, but then going to Notre Dame. And as a Michigan fan, I could say that he would be contributing to the offensive line this year, probably as a backup, but... Michigan's offensive line, I think, is the best in the country, so making it on that backup list would be very impressive. And with Joe Alt at left tackle, Blake Fisher at right tackle, and Zeke Carell, a graduate player at offensive center, this is one of the better offensive lines in the country, especially at the tackle position, because Joe Alt, in my opinion, is an All-American. So this offense certainly has the players, It is hard to tell how great Sam Hartman is at this point because Navy, you can't say that Navy isn't one of the worst Division I FBS programs. The way they looked yesterday, just picturing in my mind and close your eyes and picture it in your mind if you watch the game and you know what play I'm talking about or if you haven't watched the game in full or you don't know what play I'm talking about. Navy is in Notre Dame territory. It's fourth and three. They have to go for it. Navy, not Navy, but Notre Dame rather scored. They took six minutes of time of possession off the clock, scored in dominant fashion. Navy wants to respond. Ty Lavatai rolls out, finds a receiver of his on what I assume was a wheel route, but maybe I'm remembering things wrong. And another... Another Navy wide receiver, or just receiver, comes from the middle of the field and runs into the receiver that Lavatai was targeting, both trying to catch the pass that Lavatai threw and both running into each other, resulting in an incompletion. The complete lack of discipline, along with offsides, tons of false starts, 
and not being able to cover or tackle, period, amen, was Navy's downfall. Really, Navy and the midshipmen just had a horrible game plan. They executed terribly, and I don't think Brian Newberry is going to last very long there. Now, then again, that was one of the best teams he's going to play all year, but Navy and really any service academy, I'm shocked when they do this poorly in a game just because typically the triple option gives opposing defenses more trouble. But maybe Notre Dame's defense is just that good. However, I think that Al Golden and his defense have to be more conservative. I thought that the defense tried too hard to strip the ball, and at times that resulted in missed tackles. But whether it was Jack Kaiser or J.D. Bertrand, the defense overall played well. I mean, the only critique I have is trying to strip the ball too much. But... Navy versus Notre Dame technically is a rivalry, so maybe the players just wanted to rub it in and try and get as many turnovers as possible. But Notre Dame played extremely impressively. Notre Dame in total had two sacks, five tackles for loss. Joshua Burnham and Riley Mills each had a sack, and Javante Jean-Baptiste, incoming transfer from Ohio State, he also had a good game with a tackle for loss and four total tackles. Navy didn't collect a single sack against Notre Dame and only had two tackles for loss and two passes defended. And overall, the only weakness that both of these teams have in common is the kicking game. Spencer Schrader missed a field goal, and Evan Warren missed a field goal, but then made another of 31. So all in all, Navy avoided the shutout, scoring three points, but Notre Dame scored 42. Sam Hartman looked great. I'm not going to assess him in full and say that he's this phenomenal quarterback all of a sudden or that he's going to win the Heisman. In fact, I think that both of those things are highly unlikely of Sam Hartman, but he's certainly a good quarterback. He's better, certainly, than Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine were. In my opinion, he's even better than Ian Book. Brandon Wimbush or anyone that I could think of in recent memory for Notre Dame. He's a very good quarterback, and I think with the pro-style system that Notre Dame is running, he is going to flourish in that system because he's not as much of a dual threat as Tyler Buckner is. Just having him stand in the pocket, step up with experience, and throw to young, talented, underrated wide receivers is going to benefit this offense a ton. So great win for Notre Dame. They play Tennessee State in Week 1. They're not going to be tested until North Carolina State, which is a road game. But all in all, that's an earlier test compared to most teams. For example, my Michigan Wolverines, their first test is in Week 5 on the road against Nebraska. Michigan State's first test is in Week 3 at home against Washington. Notre Dame is a test right in Week 2 on the road against NC State. Thankfully, that is a noon kickoff, though. Up next, we're going to be talking about USC and their win over San Jose State. The final score was USC 56, San Jose State 28. Now, my takeaways from this game, I think, are more valid because San Jose State is a much higher quality opponent than Navy is. USC has a lot more hype built around them, and I felt like I could take a lot more away from watching USC play San Jose State, which, by the way, full disclosure, 
I watched on a YouTube live stream because the Pac-12 network sucks. It's the reason the conference is not going to exist. And there was even an ad. The conference has the audacity to play an ad that says the conference of champions. Well, I guess it's the conference of exclusive media rights and not being able to show the college football world your games except if you go through the Pac-12 network, which is why your conference is no longer going to exist after this season. So Pac-12 network stinks, but YouTube and innovation and the entrepreneurship of you know creating your own channel and live streaming things and using media to broadcast, to, to bypass the Pac-12 network, Props to whoever put on that live stream. I hope that your channel hasn't been banned by YouTube already. But it is what it is. That's how I watched the game, and it was worth it, because USC is going to join the Big Ten in 2024. I learned as much as I can, in my opinion, about USC and their matchup versus San Jose State. And I'm going to go over three takeaways that I had, and this will likely be my format in future videos, is I'm going to go over the takeaways first, then go back to the statistics, and then dive more in-depth to each of my takeaways. My takeaways are USC's defense sucks, and I think that I'm right about Alex Grinch not surviving this season. But yet again, it's week zero. That could just be an overreaction. I'm not going to I'm not going to call any shots that I was right or wrong just yet. It would be very immature of me to do that. Um, number two, the offensive line is extremely suspect. I think they're missing Andrew Voorhees already, but the wide receivers and tight ends got better. Especially tight end is much better than it was last year. And despite losing Jordan Addison at wide receiver, I think the wide receiver room is faster, more athletic, and I just think better overall than it was in 2022. And you can thank Zachariah Branch for that, who I have as my game MVP. And number three is San Jose State may be the best team on the first half of the Trojans' schedule. Let's look at USC's schedule briefly. Um, The Trojans face Nevada in week one, and then later in the season they have a gauntlet of a schedule facing Notre Dame, hosting Utah, hosting Washington, traveling on the road at Oregon, and playing UCLA. The first half of Notre Dame's schedule is San Jose State, which they won 56-28, then Nevada and Stanford at home. Their first road game is at Arizona State, then another road game at Colorado, and hosting Arizona. That's the first six games. And then USC has road game at Notre Dame, hosting Utah, road game at California, then hosting Washington, playing at Outson Stadium and facing off against Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks, and hosting UCLA. The second half of USC's schedule is a gauntlet, and I do not think that Lincoln Riley and his squad will make it out unscathed, let alone with less than two, three, or dare I say it, four losses based on how this defense and offensive line played on Saturday. Let's start with the defense and just get the bad and the ugly and really more realistically the disgusting out of the way. USC's defense looked like garbage. It looked like a cat litter box that hadn't been changed for a week. 
it looked like what would happen if a German shepherd ate like 10 pounds of chocolate. Either the dog dies, which would be very sad, or you'd have to clean up a mess afterwards, which is still very sad. The defense is pathetic. It's garbage. You you cannot describe the, how bad the defense is with any kind of adjective. You have Bear Alexander, Christian Roland Wallace, Anthony Lucas, Mason Cobb, Eric Gentry, Tackett Curtis, Jamil Muhammad, Damani Jackson, Bryson Shaw, Kalen Bullock. I could go on and on. There is talent throughout this defense. And yet, and yet, an offense that is definitely, for a fact, not in the top four of all offenses that USC's defense will have to face, torches you. And Nick Nash has six receptions for 89 yards, averaging 14.8 yards per reception, and has three receiving touchdowns. And Chevin Cordiero is a good quarterback, but he's not Bo Nix, he's not Michael Penix Jr., he's not Cameron Rising, he's not Dante Moore, he's not even Sam Hartman. He went 21 of 38 for 198 yards, 5.2 yards per pass attempt, and three passing touchdowns with a QBR of a 64.9. And he had 52 rushing yards on the ground and often picked up very clutch first downs to extend drives after his offensive line through false starts and holding calls, and occasionally wide receivers dropping passes as well put him in bad positions. He had a good game. A much better game, in my opinion, than ESPN's efficiency metrics would advertise. And on the ground, San Jose State, and I know they had a late garbage time run that helped these statistics, they averaged 7.3 yards per rush, with nearly 200 rushing yards on 27 carries, and they had one rushing touchdown. Was it the worst defensive performance? No. But it's San Jose State, so to have the worst defensive performance would be even worse than what USC's defense is already, which at this point my brain can't even process that being a possibility. What's going to happen when Utah or Washington come to town? Because my expectation would be USC just gets spanked and ran off the field and the stands are empty by perhaps halftime, if not the third quarter. What happens when probably the fastest offense that USC will face all year, potentially the fastest offense in America, hosts the Trojans in Outson Stadium. And Bucky Irving, Troy Franklin, and Bo Nix take the field with an offensive line that is underrated in talent. I know they lost a lot after 2022, but Jackson Powers Johnson is going to make a great center and then a Johnny Cornelius is going to be a great tight tackle, not tight end. I almost said tight end, shame on me. This offensive line with the talent at skill positions that Oregon is going to have, and Troy Franklin, he runs, I think, unofficially a sub-4-3, 40-yard dash. USC fan, how will you feel when Troy Franklin burns your secondary Jalen Hyatt versus Alabama 2022 style, and Outson Stadium explodes, and earthquake measurements pick up the noise. It will not feel good. It 
It will not feel good, I can promise you that. And with Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, Roma Dunze, Giles Jackson, and Jeremy Bernard from Washington, with Michael Penix passing them the ball with one of the best offensive lines in college football to protect him, that won't feel good either. And Notre Dame and Utah, who have great offensive lines too that will be able to run the football, whether it's Audric Estime or Jaquindon Jackson, they will be able to run the football on this USC defense and dominate time of possession, control games, use great tight ends and also an underrated group of wide receivers. And whether it's Sam Hartman, who's close enough to a pure pocket passer with tons of experience, or Cameron Rising, who can run the football, those quarterbacks are good enough players to read USC's defense like a children's book. This defense is terrible. Alex Grinch will not survive the season. He might be fired in the regular season. I I highly doubt that because he's a personal friend of Lincoln Riley. But moving into the Big Ten in 2024, he has to go. He, He must, he must be stopped. He has to go. If he is the D.C. in 2024 when USC faces Penn State, Michigan, or any Big Ten team with any semblance of talent at the offensive line, USC will have been assassinated before they have taken the field. He cannot be the defensive coordinator for USC anymore. And maybe this is an overreaction from an outsider, a guy who mainly covers the Big Ten, but the defense did look terrible. I don't think anyone can deny that. And if not for Caleb Williams by himself, this game would have been much closer, along with Zachariah Branch, who had a kickoff return after San Jose State scored a touchdown that swung the momentum in their favor. Zachariah Branch, he's a future X-Factor player, if not an X-Factor player already. He said, I don't think so. And he took the kickoff all the way back to the house, also had a receiving touchdown in over 200 total yards, counting special teams plays as well. Finally, the offensive line was suspect. I mean, Caleb Williams, one of the better quarterbacks in the nation, obviously won the Heisman last season. In my opinion, currently the number one quarterback in the country. And he will likely remain that throughout the season, no matter how this team performs. He is obviously the number one player number one quarterback when looking at the 2024 NFL draft projections, and he carried this team last year to the Pac-12 championship game. He could do that again this year. He could carry them to a national title this year if the defense improves, and more importantly than that, if the offense is better than it was last year and, and more explosive and allows less sacks, is better at running the football, and Lincoln Riley calls better plays and is more adaptive, so on, so forth. But the offensive line did look suspect. They allowed two sacks to San Jose State, one of which put Caleb Williams and USC at their own five-yard line with a fourth and 15. USC then punts the football, which allows the San Jose State Spartans to drive down the field and score, making it, I believe, 21-14 to at the half. And that play, the Nick Nash 28-yard reception where he was just wide open, was again another humiliating another humiliating play from the Alex Grinch-ran USC defense. 
San Jose State may still be the best team on the first half of the Trojans' schedule, so USC will likely dominate the next five games they play in. But that Notre Dame game, with how they ran the football against Navy and just how they matched up from a roster standpoint in the preseason, there's a very good chance Notre Dame can win that game. And I think Utah, Washington, and Oregon are so much better than the Fighting Irish are, and that's no disrespect to Marcus Freeman or Al Golden or Gerard Parker. It's just to give credit to Kyle Whittingham, Kalen DeBoer, and Dan Lanning, and especially the offenses that those three schools have, and the fact that their defenses, especially Washington's and Utah's, should be better than those units were respectively in 2022. So USC has time to get things right. That's the optimistic thing. They have time. If USC is going to get it right, we may not know for a while. It may take them time, but they do have time. It's not like Notre Dame where they have to travel to NC State in Week 2 or Michigan State who hosts Washington, who I think will reach the college football playoff this season in Week 3. Michigan, who has a cupcake schedule, has to face a real test, in my opinion, in either Nebraska or Minnesota on the road before USC has to travel to play Notre Dame. So the Trojans have time, and that's the one optimistic part, really, about USC's performance and their schedule. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you enjoyed this quick Week Zero recap, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and comment your thoughts on Week Zero down below. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.